Welcome back to Your Average Witch, where we talk about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft. In this episode, we meet Shanna Stoker. If her name sounds familiar, it should. She's a descendant of famous author Bram Stoker. Shanna joins me to talk about her experience as a clairvoyant, a near-death experience, and we find out what she has up her witchy sleeve with her shop, The Ghoulish Garb. I had a great time talking to Shanna, and when that happens, you get an extra long interview. Be sure to come back for part two. And now let's get to the stories. Hi, Shanna. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, please introduce <laughs> yourself. Tell everybody who you are and what you do and where they can find you. Okay. Well, my name is Shanna Stoker. And I am the co-founder and co-owner of The Ghoulish Garb. You can find me on TikTok under the um, username the underscore ghoulish underscore gal. And that's where our Etsy link is and everything. Um, But we do sell mainly on Etsy, eBay, and Amazon. And our store, we actually create unique designs focused on celebrating all things witchy and spooky and macabre. We're best known for our Tarot Tarot Major Arcana deck. And we sell all of our designs on clothing and tapestries, phone cases, mugs, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, we that's basically what I do. I run that every day. I do all the customer service and designing with my partner. And um, now I'm getting into TikTok, which is a lot of fun. (laughs) So what I did Google you, which I do. So (laughs) you moved from, I saw that you went to school. It was it for like acting and, and voice and things. Yes, I started off at um, the University of Montevallo. I'm from Alabama. And so I went to Montevallo, which is right outside of Birmingham, Alabama, for the first year. And I studied, um, I double majored in vocal performance and in theater for acting. And I was, yeah, I was dying. (laughs) I was dying. I was also, I was undiagnosed with depression, ADHD, and um, CPTSD. So like I was dealing with a lot that I didn't understand. And then it's also a very, very, very famously haunted school. And I seem to just attract the paranormal I have my whole life. So that was a lot for me to deal with. And I wasn't, I was still relatively new in my practice with witchcraft and in, you know, setting boundaries and, and figuring out how to deal with all of that, um, in a safe way. And so I just, oh, I had to, I ran from that school after the first year. And I went to Auburn University (laughs) after that and finished, and I ended up getting my degree in history with musical studies on the side. Holy gosh. (laughs) That's cool. Thanks. How did you go from there to a witch shop? Right. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is actually my second small business. While I was in school at Auburn University, I, my voice teacher set me up with somebody who wanted a princess at their child's birthday party. And so from there began a very successful small business where I was a character performer for children's parties. And that helped me pay my way through school, which was amazing. And then, you know, ultimately while it was successful, I just got really burnt out from that. I just wasn't it wasn't my passion anymore. And even though I think it's a wonderful, wonderful venture, and there's so many friends that I've made through it who it is their entire life. And it's so beautiful to see. It just wasn't, it wasn't right for me. And I knew that. So I wanted to go ahead and, and figure out what was. So I finished my degree in history and I was working, actually, I was working as a pre-K teacher for a while there. Oh. And yeah. And my, uh, my business partner who became my business partner, we both were in the nine to fives and just miserable. And 
we decided that we wanted to try to find a way to start our own business so that we could work for ourselves. And that was the, that was the, the first thought. And then from there we said, okay, well, what will our niche be? And I always have been interested in witchcraft and the occult and the macabre. So of course, I was brainstorming and I, I pitched to him that idea and we both were really excited about it. So we started by just brainstorming a hundred different ideas for designs. And when we got a hundred on paper, we th- we said, okay, this we can do this. We can work from this. And that's how it all started. It's so crazy. <laughs> and here we are three years later. Is that where... How did the tarot come in? Well, I've always been interested in tarot since I was a young girl. My uncle actually is the first person who ever told me about tarot. Um, He is a practicing witch. And so that's something that was always a part of my life. Um, And tarot always gave me such incredible insights into myself. And it just, oh, I just have such a passion for it. So I mentioned to my partner about, well, what if we start making our own version of tarot designs. It wasn't intended to be a deck. It was just going to be on our, on our clothing and on our, you know, our merchandise. Um, But when we sat down and we really started doing our research and looking into how we can turn the Ryder Smithwaite tarot deck into our own, you know, like bring our own personalities and interests into it. And how can we make it, you know, work for our business? And I, I, thought, well, what if we do like a Halloween theme deck um, or designs rather? And we sat down and we started working on them. It just, it just took us like our creativity by storm. It was amazing. It, just, it tapped into something in both of us that was just so cool to see. And we just, every time we work on designs, it's just this beautiful melange of, of all of our interests and everything that we have going for us. My research abilities with my history degree, and um, he's a software engineer. So, I mean, it just, everything that we do really brings ourselves into it. And I just love that tarot has the ability to show you new things every single time that you look at a design. So, and that's what we wanted to do was make sure that we were meticulously taking every single detail into consideration so that you might notice something one time that you're looking at it that makes you feel one way. But when you're in a different mindset and you look at it again, you'll notice a whole different side of it that you didn't see before. And I just, I love that about tarot. I love that you can interpret it the way that you want to. I will admit that I am crap at tarot. It takes practice. I've tried for <laughs> more than a decade and it just won't stay. Just like Spanish. It won't stay either. <laughs> I definitely think that we all have, we, we, you know, all of us who practice, we have our own strengths and we mm-hmm. have our own callings and we have our own, like you, you feel when something that you're trying something new, when it, when it ignites something in you, like it's meant for you. And I definitely feel that way about tarot, but there's other things in witchcraft that I don't necessarily feel that way about. And I I love that that witchcraft is so customizable that way. Do you plan on doing a complete deck? I okay, so we weren't planning on it eventually or initially. <laughs> like I said, we weren't even planning on doing a deck at all because we had no idea if people were gonna like our stuff. You don't know, right? Like it's it's crazy to think about. So when we decided to create a my, the major arcana, we said, okay, we're just going to go ahead and release this and see what people feel, how how it's received, how do people feel about it? Use it mostly as an oracle deck, and and just kind of see how people like our work and the energies that we've put into this. And the 
feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. It's amazing. So because of that, we have decided that in the long run, we are going to expand it into a full deck. Yay! Yes. However, it's going to take a long time because there are two of us that do the designing and then we, we take it to our third artist or who, who is our artist. Um, and we have to, we spend probably anywhere between five to 20 hours designing each individual card. And then after we've finished creating the design, I go through and I very specifically write down every little detail that we want. Um, and I try to find, and we find images that we can show. This is the color of the hair. We want the dress to fall like this. We want her foot to be pointed like this, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then he goes through and he gives us a sketch and we revise that and then gives us a final and we revise that. And then we finally get our end, you know, our end result. So it takes about a month um, per design usually, uh, you know, for the whole process. So it's going to take a long time. And we do have a couple of other things that we are working on, um, before we can get started on that. So in order to make sure that people can appreciate the, the work that we've done already with the major arcana, we do plan to give a discount for the full deck to those who can verify that they purchased through us, the major arcana deck. That oh. way you can go ahead and enjoy it now and <laughs> learn, you know, learn with it now. Um, before, you know, instead of feeling like you have to wait for the full deck, which is probably years away. That's cool. And, oh, <laughs> Year, years, years, plural. Yes. That is so neat. <laughs> Thank you. Now, what does it mean when you call yourself a witch? What does that mean to you? To me... It just means that I can't really be defined by typical societal standards. I like to march to the beat of my own drum, to use that old adage. <laughs> and I really enjoy seeking out different ways to approach life and the challenges that we face every day. And for me, witchcraft gives me the ability to do that in my own terms with respect to nature and other people around me and to myself. And it just, it's given me an entire new insight into my own abilities and my own power over the way that the world, the way that I engage with the world and vice versa. Oh, I like that. Thanks. <laughs> Would you mind introducing us to any of your daily practices? Oh, sure. Well, okay. I wish I did better with daily practice. <laughs> um, I am telling <laughs> Right. I, I mean, I am a business owner and now I've got interviews and all this other stuff. And I feel like there's always a, there's always an excuse for why, why we're not practicing as much as we should be. But for me, as far as daily rituals go, I just, I try to turn everything I can into a mini ritual of sorts, if that makes sense. I, mm -hmm. You know, I set intention when I stir my coffee in the mornings. I I wake up and I try to say thank you to the universe for my rest or for the day ahead oh, or my cats. You know, yeah, just anything that I can. I think being grateful is such a beautiful way to start your day. And um, I like candles or incense a lot. And I try to visualize my problems dissolving in the flames and my hopes being rekindled, like at the same time, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And just... I think that those little, those little intentions and those little observations and those little versions of keeping your mind and your spirit on track to me have been the most powerful thing that I've done. Um, 
as for you know even though my daily rituals aren't exactly <laughs> the 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 best i i have noticed incredible manifestation abilities just from doing those little things that i do every day they sound great to me what do i do with my Thanks. life <laughs> Like if you were to ask me right now, I don't know that I would have any. I, oh my gosh. It's so, it's difficult. But that's what I love about witchcraft though, is there's no one right way to do it. It's in your mind and intention and your energy. And I mean, it can be just the way you speak to other people. It can be the way that you, you know, I mean, it's just every little thing can be your version of witchcraft. And I, I really love that about it. Do you claim any labels? Not witchy labels? Really? I guess. Well, I guess. Okay. Do you mean what exactly do you mean by that? Like if you don't mind, green witch, head witch, head yes, witch like whatever okay. that you know. Uh, I don't Instagram really tags. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really claim. I guess I would call myself a pagan, but that's pretty broad. Um, I think animism is something that I'm really oh, drawn yes. to. Yeah, just the innate, the innate, or uh, the. Uh, idea that everything has an innate energy and spirit. Um, I'm really attracted. To, I've always been very attracted to animism and I, I'm very, very in tune with animals. That's something that's one of my, my gifts, I guess I would say. Um, and because I just, we just get each other. I me and animals, we click. <laughs> There's never been an animal I haven't just fell in, fallen in love with. I mean, I love them all. So I, I really appreciate the way that animism gives them this this beauty I mean not gives them but embraces their spirit and their individuality and their souls I relate to that a lot good I'm an animal lady <laughs> I love being an animal lady <laughs> it's nice it gives you a whole different appreciation for the world I think you have a famous relative mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please explain that? And do you consider that? Like, was he into any of the witchcraft stuff? Because I want to ask about your family history with witchcraft, but he's part of your family history. And I want to talk about that. If you if you do. Absolutely. Yes. So I am related to Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula. That is my little claim to fame. <laughs> as far as... One of as... many, though, with you. I'm oh. One of many. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, I, I don't... I don't know that he was ever into witchcraft. Um, when I think about when he lived, spiritualism was, was budding, right? It was, I mean, he died in 1906. So spiritualism really kind of was gaining a huge following in Europe and in America in the late 1800s. Um, so, I mean, he definitely would have been around for that. And I think a lot of his work had to do with the occult kind of being embraced um, in a way that, I mean, look at how it is today. It's just incredible to see the domino effect of his and Mary Shelley's work and people mm-hmm. like them and Poe that that they could create such a massive um, kind of underbelly of pop culture that has now become so embraced by so many. But I mean, it started back in the 1800s. And I think, even though I don't think that we have any evidence that he was a witch or practiced witchcraft, just his work in the occult and with the macabre 
just in his writings did so much for all of us today that I wish, oh, I wish he knew. I wish he could know what he did for the weirdos like us. (laughs) Yeah. So moving back closer, closer to now, do you have a, I see you said your uncle, do you have any other family history with it? Not really. Um, So I come, my uncle yes, is a practicing witch. And he's the one who taught me all about witchcraft and and about the many different variations of what you can do with it and how it can very much be a part of um, whether you're religious or secular or, you know, whatever have you. He is, um, he practices Judaism. So he uses that within his magic. Uh, I don't have any particular religious practices, but I use my magic kind of as my as my religion. As far as my other family, um, my grandmother told me from a pretty young age that I would probably have the gift. She felt like I did the gift of clairvoyance mainly um, because she had the gift of clairvoyance. She was actually born with a veil over her eyes. So I don't mm. know if you're familiar with that. Yes. Yes. Okay. You can still explain it in case others. Yes, aren't. of course. So being born with a veil over your eyes just means that there's actually a, it's a piece of skin that is attached from your forehead and and it covers your eyes and they can easily, you know, go, go in and take care of it. Um, take it off, you know, and make sure that you don't have that for the rest of your life. But it's, it's said that if you are born with a veil over your eyes, you have the gift of clairvoyance. It's just, it's, that's what that is supposed to mean. And my grandmother's very, um, devout Christian. She is Assembly of God Christian. Uh, That's her preferred, I guess, sect of it. And so she always kind of felt that pursuing clairvoyance was against her faith. But she did go to visit a, um, she visited a, a, not a tarot reader, but a fortune teller, I suppose. Yeah, she did. And as soon as the person, as soon as, as she held my grandmother's hand, she said, you have the gift and you, and she told her that she was going to pass it down to her youngest daughter. Well, my grandmother didn't have any daughter. She had two sons and I'm her youngest granddaughter. So she told me that she believed that's what that meant. Um, and I have had many experiences where I do feel very confident in saying I do have the gift of clairvoyance. Um, I've had experiences that have been corroborated not only by people who know, you know, what I'm talking about, but by doing historical research and figuring out, oh, that thing that I saw actually was this structure that was here during the Civil War. And I've been able to, I'm a skeptic. So I very much try to debunk what I'm feeling or seeing if I can. And if I can't, then that's when I can say, okay, I'm confident that I saw something from the beyond, if you want to call it that. Um, So it's interesting being a skeptic who also has so many paranormal and supernatural things happen to her, because (laughs) let me tell you, that's been a whirlwind. (laughs) It's taken me a long time to just really trust my intuition because of that. But I finally understand that like, it's a part of my family and it's a part, obviously it's been passed down. And even though my grandmother wasn't or wasn't comfortable enough, um, pursuing it, she still very much believed it. And I'm glad that she told me at such a young age so that I could look at it as a gift instead of something that is scary. Because it is scary when you're a kid, but 
ultimately I just had to tell myself I have this for a reason and I can see these things and talk to these things and observe these things for a reason. So I'm just going to try to use them um, (laughs) and try to continue spreading love and peace and happiness and, you know, do what I can with this gift that I, you know, while I have it, hopefully I'll have it forever. Do you have any stories? Oh, I have so many stories. (laughs) Hook me up with a story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me see. Which one do I want to talk about? Oh, man. Okay. So let me tell you about the time that I I finally, (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you about the time that I finally was like, okay, okay. What you're seeing is real. So my best friend, who's actually my roommate now, um, we've been best friends for about 10 years now. They and I were, we were talking about witchcraft and everything because I found out after we had been friends for a while that we both practice witchcraft and we (laughs) hadn't told each other because this was still, I mean, this was about 10 years ago, whenever it was like, it's, it wasn't as mainstream. It wasn't. It's scary to come out. Oh my God, it is so scary. And we are, here we are in like tiny Alabama town, you know, (laughs) surrounded by just very, I I mean, it's very, it's scary. And we both came from very Christian families and we both came from, you know, I mean, we both were the typical um, music student who was kind of like, just the, I don't know. We we had the weird kid. I mean, we were we were very good at masking is where is the thing. We uh, were very good at masking. He and I, but they and I both were very just, we knew how to, we knew how to be normal when we needed to be normal. You know what I mean? So to get together and, and find out, oh my gosh, you're just as weird as me. And like, <laughs> to be able to just take that, take that, that veil off or that, that mask off and just be completely ourselves. And it was so freeing and so beautiful. And I think that is why we are still friends today, because we got to experience that together for the first time. And we both got to say, you know, this isn't as weird as we thought it is. This is just who we are. This is, we were meant to be friends because of this, you know? So at one point, we this was after we'd been friends for a few years and we were talking about they they also have clairvoyance and clairaudience and so we a lot of times will experience very similar things but in very different ways and it's just really cool to see how that happens but there was one day around halloween we were just hanging out so we were we were walking around campus and there is this famous structure in front of auburn or that is part of the university it's sanford hall and I was, we were walking past and my uncle, Brandon, who I told you about, uh, he's also from Auburn. He was doing a ghost tour around Auburn. He does those pretty much every year for Halloween. And we were just kind of walking along with the tour, but we were a good, a good little bit behind it so that we could just kind of do our own thing because I wanted to see, I wanted to go to these places and I wanted to see what do I, what do I see? I don't know anything really about these, the history of these places. What do I feel and see? And I made the conscious choice to open myself up to those things because that is something I've had to learn over the years is how to open and close that door between me and that world um, at will for my own protection. Because there's a lot of times, you know, especially if I I see myself almost as like the way I've seen it uh, over the years, it's almost kind of a, like a, uh, a lighthouse and, and, Mm -hmm. and spirits just seem to find me regardless of where I am. And a lot of times that can be very inconvenient. So I have to, (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, that's the best word I can tell you for it. So so I have to like, I had to really, really, really learn how, and through my witchcraft, I was able to do this more easily, how to, um, how to protect myself from those things and shield myself and close that door when I'm not, uh, when I'm not inviting visitors in, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I had made the conscious decision before this to go ahead and open that door and say, you know, I... I'm only allowing certain energies in and I am, but I do very much want to see things. And I, I do invite you to come and talk to me if you need or whatever, the, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you just kind of, you set those boundaries for yourself, even though you're opening the door, you still, you still want to set boundaries and it's just a way for you to protect yourself so that you aren't allowing just anything to contact you or anything into your space. So I had done that and we're, we're walking in front of Sanford hall, right? So we're behind this ghost tour and it's Marcus and me, my best friend, Marcus. And I look over to my right where Sanford is and I immediately see. And when I say see, let me explain for me, when I see something like this, it, appears in my mind's eye on the space. It's not so physical that I feel like I could reach out and touch it. It's more like a projection and it usually comes in the form of a golden light. So it's kind of a shimmery golden, almost like wavy, like when the heat comes off the pavement and you, you know, you, you can Mm -hmm. see that, but it's a little bit of a wave to it. It kind of comes off like that to me in my mind's eye and I can see it onto the end of the space. And so uh, we're in front of Sanford Hall and I look over and I immediately see this projection of these two, it looked like fences. And I could see, I mean, I could see in between the specific like slats of the fence. It wasn't slats. It, it looked more like um, almost ironwork. And it was on either side of this path that led directly to the um, to the building. It was this big, big clock tower building. If you look up Sanford Uni- or Sanford Hall, Auburn University, it's the main hall. It's been there since Auburn University was, you know, the it was it was a different name. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, before it was even Auburn University, it was like one of their first buildings. And I I saw these two enclosures on either side of this pathway. And I could see people outside of the enclosures, but I was mainly focused on the people inside the enclosures. They seemed aimless. They were just walking around, some were sitting, but it seemed like they were, I mean, it seemed like they were in a pen. It was just the strangest thing and I couldn't understand it, but I felt like they were, they were there for a reason, but they also felt aimless. It was the strangest thing. And so later I go back into the archives at the, at the university and I'm trying to do some, some research. And I found out that Samford Hall was actually used for, I want to say it was tuberculosis. Oh. Um, at some, at one point it was used to house people who were sick with tuberculosis. And one of the things that they did for patients with tuberculosis, they believed that sunlight would help their ailments. So a lot of tuberculosis hospitals would have a wing dedicated to um, just big, big windows, and they would have the patients go in there for hours upon hours during the day. But other facilities that weren't exactly built for tuberculosis patients, they had to make do by having time and enclosures outside where their patients could be (laughs) taken 
so that they could have daylight, you know, sunlight. And I found out that there were these enclosures. I don't know what they looked like. I can't tell you if it was exactly what I saw, but I found out that there were these types of places for tuberculosis patients at Sanford Hall. And so I believe what I was seeing were these little enclosures that were for patients who were taken out there just to enjoy some sunlight and hopefully help their ailments. Um, and that would make sense as to why I felt like they had a purpose there, but at the same time they were aimless and it was the strangest, it was the coolest hmm. little thing. And around the same time we went to Opelika. Um, and it's just this little, little tiny little downtown area. I mean, just like two blocks long. It's tiny. It's so cute. And it, it actually had this little tiny downtown area from back whenever the railroad run ran through there. So there's a little rail yard and it's just the cutest little thing. And so my friend Marcus is like, I want to see what you see over here because he, or they, excuse me, are from um, that area and their family was from that area. So they know all about the history and I have no idea about the history of Opelika. So I know that I'm going into this with absolutely nothing to back up, you know, nothing that's, if I see something, I see it and that's it. Right. Yeah. So, so we, they're we go, testing you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what they were doing. And I wanted them to, because I was like, I, I don't know if I can trust what I'm seeing. Cause I had yet to prove you know, I'd yet to find out what I had seen at, at Sanford Hall was real. And I just felt very much, like I said, I'm such a skeptic and I'm like, well, I have a vivid imagination. What if it's just that? What if it's just, you know, but these visions come to me so innately, I don't have to think about it. It's just like looking and observing. And so that's why I was like, I really think that it is something more, but I don't know if I can trust myself yet. So they came up with the idea to go to Opelika because there's a lot of history there. So we started out at this little Irish bread pub that I had worked at and we went upstairs um, and I'd never really been upstairs because it was a whole different side of the restaurant that I just, I didn't, I wasn't really a part of. So we went upstairs and nobody was up there and we just stood by the bar and they asked me, what do you, what do you see here? What do you feel here? And I just stood there for a moment, you know, and I'd made the same decision to open myself up and to just allow whatever wanted to be seen to be seen. And I look over to, and it's one of these old, I mean, just think of like an old 1800s two-story style uh, building that has like balconies on the outside of it and it's facing the railroad and it's just got these big windows. And so I, I immediately look over to the window and I see a man and he appears to be in white underclothes looked to me to be like civil war era. He had a handlebar mustache and he had, he was pacing in front of the window and he had um, a bandage over his head and over one eye. I believe it was his right eye. And he was just pacing. And, and I just, he was looking out the window and he looked, oh, and he had his arm in a sling. And then he stopped and he looked at me. Oh, and then he I don't kept like that. Pacing. <laughs> well, and it didn't, it did, you know, it, it was more of just, it was the strangest thing because I don't, I still don't know to this day, because usually when I see things like that, it, I feel like it's more residual and I'm picking up on the history, but he looked at me. So I don't, it was just the strangest thing. And so I told Marcus what I was seeing as I was seeing it. And they're just like smiling and I'm like, what? And they're like, okay, so this used to be an apothecary. And during the civil war, they used to, they used to bring wounded warrior soldiers here. <laughs> and so there was that. 
And then immediately after that little incident, we go downstairs and we go back out to the street and I, they didn't even ask me, but I just immediately saw in like two storefronts over, this was the one that is like, to me, it gives me chills because this is not, this is, this is much closer to home as far as today. It happened 30 years ago, maybe. I see. So this is kind of morbid or else very morbid. It's very sad. It was a sad story. <laughs> but I immediately, I'm looking over at this shop and I see two women or I feel two women. They feel like they are in charge. I don't know. I just keep seeing these two women. And then all of a sudden it changes and I see a man walking through the door and he's not welcome there. And I, that's all I know is he's not welcome there. And then all of a sudden it changes one more time. And I see one of the women is on the floor on the ground and appears to be lifeless. And the man is fleeing. He's running away. And the other woman is just standing there. And I'm telling Marcus all of this. And he, I mean, they are just absolutely mouth agape, like, holy moly, because they were not, <laughs> they were, they didn't ask me about that one. <laughs> well, it turns out that there was a storefront there that was owned by two women. And there was a man who came and tried to rob them. And he shot and killed one of the women and ran on foot down the railroad track. They did eventually find him. He was convicted. He's still in jail. Oh, gosh. That's that, Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it was absolutely. I mean, that one still gives me chills today because it's like that was it was it, it just happened like. I could see them standing there talking and then I could see this man coming in and I felt like he wasn't. Like, again, I, I felt like he wasn't welcome. And then all of a sudden, one of them is on the ground and he's running. And it was just the, it's just the strangest thing. Gosh. And then there was one more. And then I'll. <laughs> You're a time you traveler. Go, right. It's so strange. It's so <laughs> weird. I love it so much, though. Well, I mean, it make, is there any wonder why I was so interested in history from such a young age and why I got a degree <laughs> in history? I mean, when you feel like you're literally living it alongside these people, it's great. It's great fun to really read about it, right? So there was one more. We we turned the corner and this I mean this time Marcus is just like absolutely convinced and I'm convinced because this is crazy. And so I'm really in listening to my intuition, which I'm finding is at this point the more that I open myself to my own intuition, the more accurate my my visions are becoming. And so we we turned the corner and there's the space between these two buildings where there's just nothing. It's just an empty lot. There's some grass and it's just kind of barren. And we're just standing there talking. And as we're just standing there talking and I'm kind of zoning out, I see, okay, so now I'm seeing rows of people in this space. And I'm like, I can tell they're rows because I can see people moving in and out of the rows, kind of like if you're at a theater and you're trying to get in between, you know, people to find your seat, right? You're moving sideways. And I told them this <laughs> And they were like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they said, this used to be a theater. This was a little theater. It was a little one-room theater. And that is insane. <laughs> they got demolished because of a fire or something. And so <laughs> that was the end of my little, um, my little, you know, Opelika psychic trip. But it was, it was definitely, it stood out to me because every single vision I had there was so on point that it just, it taught me, you've got to listen to your intuition. And yes, it's important to be skeptical. And yes, it's important to question, you know, your state of mind and everything and to be in the right state of mind. 
But ultimately, I do believe 100% that I have this gift. And again, I think it's because it runs in my family. Now, aside from those sorts of things, what would you say your worst experience with witchcraft was? Funny or not? Um, yeah. So, you know, I think my worst experience would actually, it's something that I, I didn't experience personally, but I experienced it through a friend. Um, I had a friend who was going through a really dark time. And as we know, your mindset really influences your craft. And I believe personally in that threefold rule kind of thing where, you know, whatever you put out into the universe comes back to you threefold. Um, I I believe in some version of that, whether you want to call it karma or the threefold or whatever have you. I think most, most cultures do have some sort of belief in that because it just, it seems to, to hold true in my experience. Anyway, they were going through a really dark time and I'm not going to specify who it was, but they were dealing with some people who had really just sent so many negative intentions their way. And I think it kind of, negativity is is such a sticky thing. You know, it sticks to Mm -hmm. anything it can and it grows and it festers. And that negativity had really glommed on to this person. And um, they started dabbling with, with darker parts of the occult and darker beings for, you know, the reason for, for vengeance or for, to me, just typically negative connotations. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't personally use witchcraft in a way that harms anyone. And I understand the intention behind it was because they had been harmed, but regardless, I think for me personally, I've found much more, um, much more success and much more peace by retaliating against that negativity with positivity. And this person just became so incredibly bogged down with negativity. And they started seeking out forces that were meant to do harm. And for years, I mean, this affected them for years. They seemed like a totally different person. I would look into their eyes and it wasn't them. And I felt very much like it was because of what they were doing with their craft. So I think that again, this just goes into, to tell, to show you that like, yes, as much as I, you know, want to spread joy and positivity and love, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't believe that there are negative forces out there. There are. And I think you really have to be wary, even though you feel like you may be, you know, you may have the right reasons to try to use revenge magic or hexes or whatever, that you really should understand that those things can bounce right back at you and change who you are fundamentally. And it seems like this person is doing so much better now and that they are, they are finally right on their, on a positive track again. And, and it just, they're back to who they used to be. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful because I love them so much, but that was so scary for me as a person who loves them to see them change that way. And so fundamentally. That made me sad for them when you were describing the initial stuff. It, it it was it was sad and i and i had to i had to create space between me and them because whatever was hanging around them was trying so desperately to hang on to me and it stayed with me after i would after i would be with them for a while i could feel it 
staying with me. And it took a lot of time to, again, learn how to put those protections up and learn how to cleanse myself and learn how to say that energy is not welcome in this vessel and you have to, you know, you're not welcome here. And but I did, I did for my own protection, have to create space between me and this person. So, so seeing over time them go back to that beautiful person that they are and, and that positivity that they radiate and that love that they radiate to see that blooming again is just, I'm so grateful. That's so good. (laughs) What is your favorite witchcraft experience? I think for me, it's not so much one particular experience, but for me, my favorite part of witchcraft is manifestation. Um, and it's, oh gosh, it's truly changed my entire life. Like, okay, so I'll go ahead and bring it up. A few years back, it was actually the same day that we got our business license for the Gullish Garb. So that was June 3rd, 2018. I was in a really bad car accident. I lost consciousness at the wheel while I was going down the interstate and I hurtled about 80 miles an hour straight on into the back of a semi. So as I was going down the highway and asleep, basically, or unconscious, we are still not 100% sure what happened. Um, luckily somebody saw and honked the wheel that honked their horn. And all I remember is hearing that honk waking me from this deep darkness, you know, and then I saw the semi in time to jerk the wheel to the right. I don't know how in the world I knew to jerk to the right because if I had gone left, I would have gone straight into traffic, but I was on the right side of the road and I don't know how, but my body just immediately, I just remember gasping, turning right. And then Next thing I know, I'm, yeah, this, this might be triggering. (laughs) So next thing I know, I'm in, I'm in my car and I'm feeling this like wet, which I thought was just like something from my car, but it turned out to be my own blood. And the top of my car is completely gone. It was like a hundred yards away. So I'm just looking up and I just see sky and broken glass and I'm feeling wet. And then I looked down and my left arm was almost, almost gone. I mean, it was just, it was obliterated. It was awful. And then I, I passed out. <laughs> um, and yeah, I passed out. And then, you know, next thing I know I'm in the ambulance and I'm like, am I, am I going to lose my arm? And he just looks at me and he's just like, uh, I really don't know, but it didn't seem, it didn't seem good. So I was like, okay, I'm going to lose my arm. So I, I just passed back out. And then at this point, like by the time, by the time I'm in the hospital and they're bandaging me up and I'm on all these meds, I'm like, I'm going to get a pink arm. It's going to be cool. I'm I'm just going to lose my left arm, but it's fine. At least not stop my right arm. Like I'm going to, it's fine. You know? And I'm just trying to like, I've dealt at this point, I've dealt with that, the fact that I'm, I'm going to lose my arm. But then I start remembering some things that had happened to me while I was passed out in the car. And yeah. So I found out that I, I guess you would say died. Sorry for the cliffhanger, but that's it for this episode. Be sure to listen to part two to find out what happens next. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Your Average Witch. You can find us all around the internet on Instagram at Your Average Witch Podcast, Twitter at Average Witch Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Your Average Witch Podcast, at Your Average Witch Podcast.com, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast, like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to youraveragewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes. <laughs>